0: Welcome to Calvary Revival Church Podcast, where we exist to know God, live generously, discover purpose, and make a difference. Wherever you are listening from, our desire is for this practical teaching to make a difference in your personal life and in the lives of the people and community around you. And now, let's prepare ourselves for an uplifting experience.
1: Praise the Lord. What's up, everybody? Hey, get your Bibles out and uh, go to Matthew chapter 21. You guys, I'm so pumped to preach today, man. I just I got a word in my heart. If you were here last week, we t- we talked about this message called "Stretch Your Hand," and uh, and we talked about "Stretch Your Hand" from Mark chapter three, verses one through six, where uh, the the man with the shriveled hand. Uh, was in the temple and Jesus just basically wrecked the whole thing and he talked about these two ideas that I shared that you have to stretch out your hand to be heard And there's some times where we have to make ourselves known because he is preeminent. His preeminence is the thing that qualifies us to stretch out our hands to him to get healed. And then not only that, but his presence as, as Jesus enters the scene of our lives and enters the scene of our hearts, we're able to step into the presence of God. And then we present ourselves. We are present in that moment and God does a work in us. And we acknowledge where we are so that we can be heard and then we stretch out our hands so that we can get healed and I talked about three groups of people remember I talked about the accusers the accustomed and the assigned and so we're believing that as we get ready to to step into our healing and receive everything that we stretch out our hands to a God that is fully capable of healing every aspect of our lives that doesn't look like him so that we can mirror him to other people. And so if you weren't here last week, check us out on the podcast or on our YouTube channel, check the messages out. But today I wanna to jump right into the word because today is historically what we call Palm Sunday. And so we're going to, if you've never heard of that, we're gonna talk a little bit about that. And if you've heard of it a thousand times, just act like it's your first time, okay? And uh, we'll have some palms for y'all on the way out, some palm trees. We don't have them, but we have your palms, the trees, the palms, palms. This is what Matthew uh, chapter 21, verses 1 through 11 says. When they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus then sent two disciples telling them, Go into the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt, Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks anything to say to you, say to them that the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. This took place so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. Tell daughter Zion, see your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey and on a colt. A fowl of a donkey. So then verse 6 says, the disciples went and did just as Jesus directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, and then they laid their clothes on them and sat on them. And a very large crowd, uh, uh, crowd gathered, and they spread their clothes on the road. Others were cutting branches from the trees, and they were spreading them on the road. And then the crowds who went ahead of him and those who followed him shouted, Hosanna! What did they shout? to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest of heaven. And then he entered Jerusalem and the whole city was in an uproar saying, who is this? And the crowds were saying, for this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we have the opportunity to celebrate your triumphant entry. God, you've done something in us. And you're doing something in us. And for those that don't know you, you have a plan to do something in us. So now, God, take your word in my mouth and make it as a sharp sword that's precise to heal and sever, the dispel the lies from truth and fiction, God. We pray that you would be glorified as we celebrate your triumph. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, poke somebody in the shoulder real quick and say, triumph, triumph. One of the things I love about uh, the church, and I love about this time of the year, is that there's all these uh, rituals and celebrations and holidays that happen uh, around this time. So if you're if you're Muslim, Ramadan is happening. If you're uh, a person of faith in, in Jesus Christ, we have something that's called Lent uh, that celebrates uh, the the coming of Jesus, and so that's happening right now. And then if in in Jewish Hebrew tradition. Uh, you have what's called Passover, which is the day that uh, we celebrate the feast when Jesus or when God decided to pass over the houses of the children of Israel and spared people. And what I love about this time of the year, you know, as the seasons are changing and, and life is happening all around us, you know, sometimes things can spring up and life can happen, but there's still death inside of us. There's still darkness inside of us or or we're walking through darkness. And so as we were talking about uh, the man with the shriveled hand last week and we were talking about the power that comes when Jesus steps into the scene, I need you to know and understand that anytime Jesus steps into the place, healing is available. Anytime Jesus decides to enter into any environment, the environment will not be the same. It'll cause, it'll cause people to change how they are. Have you ever been in, in a place, and remember when you were young and your parents walked into your room? Now, if you were like me, whatever y'all were doing before they stepped into the scene, like you had to make sure that you were not doing this stuff before, when they saw you. So like whatever was happening, if you, were, if, y'all were, if you had your brother, your sister in a headlock and you had her spinning like this and you had him do whatever was happening, when mom and dad stepped in the scene, everybody stopped like nothing was happening. Y'all remember fighting? So remember who, who, would, who was fighters in your families? Y'all just be beating up your little brothers and your sisters. How I many little brothers and sisters? Y'all were fighting, punching up, trying to... But my parents taught me If they catch me fighting, especially being the oldest, they not even going to get in trouble (laughs) because you as an older one, you should know better. You know, for us that are children of God, sometimes the Lord, when he steps in the scene, he's like, you should know better. You should know that you don't have to act that way. You don't gotta fight anxiety and fight depression and fight worry and fight the the, the dysfunctional relationships because when I'm present, healing and order and structure and wholeness and health is available to you. And so anytime Jesus steps into the scene, Incredible things happen. And so today I want to talk about triumph because I believe that God has set up in our lives the ability to be able to walk with victory and power and anointing and freedom. And all of this is predicated on how we view Jesus. Because see if you view Jesus as just a prophet who just said these brilliant words or if you view Jesus as this incredible teacher that had these incredible sayings and this these nice life principles if you view, if you view him as as just a man that was just existed and he just lived and he died and he never resurrected and if you believe that there was no Jesus there is no 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 factual proof that Jesus lived if you believe all of those things then what you'll find yourself is is when you have moments where you need somebody to fight for you because you can't fight for yourself, when you have moments where you're fighting anxiety and fighting depression and fighting dysfunction, you're gonna need somebody to enter into your house of your heart and change things. And I want you to know that the triumphant king is available. Are you willing? So I want to talk about the triumph of Jesus today as we're celebrating Palm Sunday. We're going to get into everything that we were reading here in this passage. Number one, I want you to write this down if you could. His royalty exposes our iniquity. His royalty exposes the iniquity that we have hidden in our hearts. This is what I find so interesting about Jesus: is that anytime Jesus comes around, people start. People start acting different. <laughs> if you look at the, the disciples, and he, they were doing their thing, and when when Jesus steps into the scene, they start talking amongst themselves, like, "Yo, what's he doing right now? Like, how, why is he doing?" They don't ever, they don't ever say it out loud. There's one person, maybe Peter. Occasionally, John may say something, but they're all kind of like trying to respond to Jesus' presence. Or the Pharisees, they're over there whispering in the corner, like. Yo, who is this guy? What is he talking about? Yo, we're about to kill him. He's cutting into our money. People are listening to him, and they're not listening to us. And then remember, we have the accustomed that are like, we never did it like that. Why are you doing all that? Why does it take all that? So in the middle of all of that, Jesus is entering Jerusalem, and now he's asking some weird stuff for his disciples to do. Now, y'all, come on, y'all. Let's let's. Let's bring it here into context. You're just just walking along with Jesus, right? He stops. He says, hey, I need y'all to go into town ahead of me, two of y'all, head in there. There's going to be a donkey and a colt. Go tell them that I need them, and that's what I'm going to use. Now, y'all, listen to this. They've been walking with Jesus for three and a half years, this is the week before he's about to be crucified. And they're stepping into the scene. They're like, Jesus, like, why you got us doing all this irrelevant, irrational, purposeless things? at this point, and if y'all know, if, if you've been walking with Jesus for a little while, sometimes he's going to ask you to do some irrational. <laughs> he's going to ask you to do some some things that are just weird and different, and, and, and you're going to have to get used anytime you're following Jesus to ask some strange requests and some interesting uh, things that he's going to propose for you to do, because I have found in my obedience to the irrational, that's when God makes available the impossible. I have found that when God is requiring me to follow him in an irrational crazy way God then makes available the miracles that are impossible with man but they are possible with God because God responds to faith he doesn't respond to fear of man he doesn't respond to how people think about you he is fully capable of taking the irrational requests that he makes and then you taking your faith and then becoming possible the things that man said are impossible So what do we do about the sin problem? And see what his royalty does is it exposes our iniquity. Look what Zechariah verses chapter three, verses three through four says, "Now Joshua was dressed with filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. So the angel of the Lord spoke to those standing before him. He said, "Take off his filthy clothes, and then he said to him, "See." I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with festive robes. Check what Isaiah 61 verses 10 says. I rejoice greatly in the Lord. I will exalt my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and wrapped me in robes of righteousness as a groom wears a turban and as a bride has adorned herself with her jewels. It's interesting that when Jesus asked these people to go get this cult, these disciples, and then all of a sudden, they, people start taking their clothes. Y'all imagine the scene. Jesus is stepping into the scene, and he starts taking his their clothes off. They're literally taking the clothes off their back. And as Jesus steps into Jerusalem, they start putting down Their clothing. They start taking all of their riches, all of their significance, all of their status, all of the things that the culture would say, this is what gives you your sense of identity, and they start dropping it on the place before the feet of Jesus in this moment as he's entering Jerusalem. What I need you to understand is that clothing, it represents our sin and our security and even our significance, but God is capable of allowing you to take off the sin that had you entangled and the iniquity that had you bound. And what he said, he said, take off those filthy clothes, for I have removed from you your iniquity, and I have clothed you with festive robes. What the Lord was trying to say to us, and as he entered the the city of peace, he said, I want you to take your sin, your significance, your failure, and I want you to lay them down at my feet, and when you lay them down at your feet, feet, all of the things that gave you security and all of the things that that you were bound by. He said, I need you to remove that because I have a garment of Praise that I have made available for you. And this garment of praise is gonna be something that you will not have to carry burden. You won't have to carry it. You will know that I am your God. And you know that I have taken off your failure and I've taken off your shame and I've taken off your iniquity. But if you lay that down at my feet, I will replace it with royalty. And as he began to do that, they begin to lay all these things down. You know, it's interesting. What did, what did Adam and Eve first do when they messed up? First designers ever, Adam and Eve. They little fig leaf janks. Adam's in the cut like, oh, shoot, we out here. I got an idea. Let's take some leaves and... Can y'all imagine this? I mean, just the (laughs) mat, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) The Lord is like, we be like, my insecurity and my my failure and my sin, my habit issue, my problem, my drama. And Lord be like, why don't you throw that down? And let me put on you. Because see, he's the custom designer. He's tailor-made to be able to handle because the Lord, even, even when Adam and Eve did that, the Lord was like, what are you doing? So he's like, he took the animal skin, he sh- shed blood, sh- shed blood, put on the, the skin of, of a bull and a goat and made and fashioned this, this piece. And then he put it on and he says, see, this clothes represents your clout. And see, the Lord, His royalty, will not allow His children to to walk aimlessly and naked with no sense of purpose or direction. He will. And see, your clout can't cover your sin. Your clout can't cover your mistakes. Your clout can't cover your abuse. Your clout can't cover your fragmented relationship with your parents. Your clout can't fix your marriage. But I have found that when I put on a garment of praise that God has fashioned for me as a son or daughter of God. There is a power that comes when he's able to clothe us in his righteousness because he is royalty. This is what Second Corinthians chapter 4 verses 14 through 18 says to give us some theological grounding. For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present to us uh, with you. Indeed, everything is for your benefit so that as grace extends for you more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. Listen to this. Therefore, we don't give up even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day for our, our momentary light affliction is producing in us an absolute, Absolute, incomparable, eternal weight of glory. I'm getting encouraged just by reading the scriptures. So we do not focus on what we've seen in our past, our failure, our mistakes, our drama, our history, our iniquity. We don't focus on those things, but we focus on what is unseen for what is seen is temporal, but what is unseen is eternal. I need you to tell you that when God removes your iniquity and he shred, you are able to shred down all of the stuff that had you bound. God then says, I will then walk work in you my perfect purposes. So even if it's gonna take some time, even though you're gonna have to go through some problems, even though you're gonna have to struggle a little bit, day by day, the eternal work of the king is happening inside of you. And what God then says, I need you to go somewhere. I need you to do something strange. I need you to walk over into that town and tell people about me. What God is then saying is that he will then take all of your failure, all of your mistakes. And then as you walk with your garment of worship and said, I used to be like you, but let me tell you about this royal king that has made a difference in my iniquity. if you believe that, I want some free people could lift up your hands and worship your God. Because Psalms 119 says, I have treasured your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. And see, people disqualified themselves. So they're walking and then all of a sudden Jesus starts coming onto the scene. And then before as they go in there, not only is it that His royalty is the thing that exposes our iniquity, but his humility extols our dignity. His humility extols our dignity. What I love about this palm tree is that this is what Ezekiel chapter 41 verses 18 says. I want to connect all these things so that you can understand everything that's happening in this moment has incredible spiritual and historical significance. It says this, carved with cherubim and palm trees, there was a palm tree between each pair of the cherubim And each cherubim had two faces. I could preach that alone because there's so much revelation and even in that moment. But we're going to talk about the palm tree in Psalms chapter 92, verses 12. It says, the righteous thrive like a palm tree and grow like a cedar tree in Lebanon, planted in the house of God. They thrive in the courts of God. So what does the palm tree signify? The palm tree on Palm Sunday, as they're walking around and they start throwing their clothes down, they're throwing all the stuff down they're they're, they're, all this royalty is happening, they're throwing it all down, and Jesus is there on a colt. and then people start taking these palm trees, and they're taking these leaves, and as they're taking these leaves, like, they're trying to figure out, like, okay, what am I supposed to do with this? Why, why is this significant? Why is this important? Why does this matter? You see, the palm tree, it signifies. It's a symbolic picture of a man or a woman that has as flourishing and thriving in goodness as a result of having relationship with God. I I need you to understand the the, the prophetic picture as they were throwing down their palm leaves that represented a, a, a spiritual fortitude that God had done something in our lives. And now the thing that God has done in our lives, it's not in our own strength, but it's because we have been planted in the ground of the soil of the house of God, so that God can flourish us and thrive us. And so, this, this is a, a result of an abiding relationship with God. Give you some context for some, some theology about this in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 13. For he has not subjected himself to angels of the world to come that we are talking about, but someone somewhere has testified, What is man that you remember him, or the Son of Man that you care for him? You made him lower than the angels for a short time, but you crowned him with glory and honor and subjected everything under his feet. And for I subjecting everything to him, he left nothing that is subject to him. As it is, we do not know everything that's subjected to him, but we do see Jesus made lower than the angels for a short time so that by God's grace, he might taste death for everyone crowned with glory and honor. he suffered death, but for in the beginning, many sons and daughters of glory. It was entirely appropriate that God, for whom through him all things existed, should make pioneers of their salvation, perfect through his suffering. For one who sanctifies is also the one who sanctified all for one father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call you and I, brothers and sisters, so I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will sing hymns to the congregation again. I will trust in him again. Here I am, the child of God that you gave me. What happens is God plants us and he roots us in his house. And then the fruit of that, we lay down to God and cast our crowns to a coming king. We give him our dignity. We is restored because God, his royalty, his humility has made us children of God. Our dignity is not in our name. Our dignity is not in, in what we do. Our dignity is not in how much money you have, but your dignity is found in the humility of a king that subjected himself for a moment to some people that were, that were dangerous, some liars and some thieves and some fornicators and some abusers. He subjected himself to them for a moment so that we could he could experience the suffering on that cross. And he knew that as he was riding into Jerusalem, and people were celebrating and shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. But Jesus knew in about four or five days, I'm gonna come right back to this place and I'm gonna suffer for you. I'm gonna take the penalty of your sin and I'm gonna make sure that you can, I will give you dignity for your iniquity. You see, this palm tree has an ability to stand out. Anybody been to Miami or Southern Florida, you see them big old Don't you wish you just take them joints and put them in your backyard? <laughs> you been to the, you ever been to the Caribbean and you see them things and you looking outside your window, it's like, "Man, that looks nice." It's anchored. Planted. Producing a beauty and a richness. And the reason why they begin to toss those things down at the feet of Jesus is because there was a product of the working of the spirit that is happening in our lives right now that has made us dignified, sanctified, and we will be glorified with him. Come on, if there's some people in here that believe that, I wonder if you would lift up your palms and give God praise. Not only does his royalty expose our iniquity, His humility extols our dignity. And the last one, his triumph exhibits our victory. His triumph exhibits our victory. Y'all, I have a donkey over there. It's coming out right... No, I'm kidding. I don't have a donkey. (laughs) But see, there's this colt. Why a colt? Exodus 13 verses 13 says this, you must redeem every firstborn of a donkey with a flock of animals. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. However, you must redeem every firstborn among your sons. I'm trying not to jump out of myself as I preach this. See, the Passover in Hebrew times represented the moment where the angel of death passed over the firstborn. And then when the Passover happened, the Jewish people, they celebrated the Passover. Now, in this moment, shh, fast forward some time, Jesus stepping into the scene. And it's interesting. There's only two animals that, that, that talk about redemption in the Old Testament, the lamb and a donkey. The donkey is the only animal that's specifically called out with the lamb that can be redeemed. And the firstborn sons, I'm going to say daughters, Jesus the firstborn son of God, sinless, pure, the redeeming lamb of God, the one who redeems both donkeys and me and you. Because sometimes I be acting like a donkey. Y'all say something else. But check it out. The lamb is riding the donkey. This is a prophetic picture for us to know that John 1 and 29 says Jesus sees them, they come in. John sees them coming in and he says, look, the Lamb of God who removes and takes away the sin of the world. This donkey, a lowly cult, carried the Savior of the world as he rode into Jerusalem over the Passover. What does that mean? It means don't defend your obedience when God is requiring you to do some things that are strange because there is meaning, there's significance, there's dignity and there's power when God is giving you instructions and as crazy as it may seem as wild as it may appear I need you to know that because he has given you instruction there is availability the impossibility for God to take what man says is impossible, broken jacked up, it needs to be restored and God in his infinite prophetic glory he will cast over you and pass over you and put his blood on your life and you will be marked with the blood of the lamb. And then now you are adorned with the beauty that you could never have attained by yourself. So then when people say, why don't you go, why are you doing that? Why are you going down there with the bloodstained banner over your face and the, and, the, and the robe of iniquity that has been removed and now the garment of praise that you walk in and you say, God has called me to go over there. So I'm gonna go to you, I'm gonna love you, I'm gonna lay my life down for you. I will do whatever because I have been redeemed. The blood of a king is on my life and the garment of praise I'm resting in because his triumph has given us the victory. So, why we celebrate, why we sing, why we shout, why we get excited about what this week is gonna represent is because the blood of a king is drenched over my life. And now the triumph of a victorious king has come. And now I can walk with dignity, overcome my iniquity, overcome my failure, and worship for his glory, the true and living God. Come on, I wonder if you can celebrate his triumph. Come on, stand to your feet. Romans 3 says, absolutely not. Let it be true. Even through every one is a liar, as is written, that you may be justified in your words and triumph when you judge. 1 John chapter 4 verses 4 says, You are from God, little children. You have conquered them because, listen to me, close your eyes and listen to me, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in this world. Colossians chapter 2, verses 14 says, He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us has been taken away by nailing it on the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him. He is triumphant with all heads bowed, all eyes closed. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to walk in victory, you want to have your dignity restored, you want the iniquity of your sin to be removed, it's real simple. All you got to do is raise your hands and say, I want that king. I want that king. I want that King. I acknowledge for we is. You can lift up your palms. You don't got trees. You got your hands that were created and fashioned in Him. And you can raise up your hands right now and receive the forgiveness of God. That forgiveness, it cost Jesus everything. But for you, it takes your palm to be lifted up and you can be restored in relationship back to Him. If you're watching online and you need a miracle for God to come into your life and make you new, He has already triumphed. All you have to do is raise your palm Palms and lift them to God and God will restore you and bring relationship back to you with every head bowed, every eye closed. I want everybody in this sanctuary, everybody watching me online, I want you to lift up your palms and say, Jesus, I give my life over to you. Jesus, I lay my life down to you. I forgive me of my sin, cleanse me, wash me, make me new. I throw away my, my old habits and my iniquity. I, I put down to you my shame and my failure. I put down to you all the things that made me significant and all the sin, all the mistakes. I lay it down for you and now would you enter my heart as the triumphant king in the name of Jesus. If you're here and you've been struggling and you've been, you haven't been walking in the victory that God has laid aside for you, raise up your palm and God is going to give you the victory this holy week. God's going to empower you by the spirit of God to walk in the victory that he has set aside for your life. If you had an insecurity and you struggle with your identity, I need you to put on the garment of a son or a daughter of God. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we establish that you, God, your royalty exposes our iniquity. We thank you for forgiveness. We believe that as you have humbled yourself, you have given us dignity. You have given us beauty for ashes in the name of Jesus. And now, God, your triumph has given us the victory. And so today, God, we walk with power, we walk with authority, we walk with influence because we know that you have become the triumph in the name of Jesus. Come on, lift up your hands. I want you all to, this week, tell all your friends Tell all your people, send it out in your group chats. Put it over all, all over your city, wherever you at. Let people know, say, freedom is here in the name of Jesus. Let me pray for y'all. I love you so much, God. I thank you for my brothers and my sisters. Today we walk out with the triumph of a king. The bloodstained banner that we wave is one of the redeemed. And so now, God, use us to spread the triumphant message of the true and living God this week. We thank you that you came to fix things so that we could be redeemed in your triumph. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Come on, make some noise for the Lord. (laughs) Triumph.
0: Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to celebrate with you, and we have some tools to help you on your journey. Just text JESUS to 48074. To find out more about Calvary Revival Church, text GUEST to 48074. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and make a difference.